Well, welcome everybody to the Blofeld podcast. We're your host Alex and Tucker coming uh, at you live this week. Doing it in live. person. We're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it live. <laughs> Sorry, we were off last week. Uh, I was on call, and uh, it just timing wise didn't work out for us to get together. So um, we're doing a little bit of a makeup. Um, we did see the Australian GP from last week, so uh, we figured we'd touch on that and then um, get into some automotive news from the week. But the Australian GP last Sunday, um, really kind of an interesting race in that, um, you know, the people that were on the podium were not a huge surprise, uh, aside from Max. Uh, Max had another power unit failure, so Red Bull powertrains is... <laughs> I really was suspecting in this year that that would be a problem. Yeah. I just thought it was going to affect a few more manufacturers. Mm -hmm. I suppose, though, looking back with Honda kind of stepping out, right? That this isn't really shocking that they've right. been hit by it harder than really just about anybody else. Yeah, I I think you know the rumors I had heard, and I mean I don't know personally who who they kept and went out, but I had heard that Red Bull was was going to be trying to poach a lot of the Honda engineers from their motorsports division when they were starting up the Red Bull powertrains. Yeah. Division, and so I mean, there should be some expertise there. I'm sure yeah. there is, but but know. isn't it isn't it like when you take a step back and think about it, mm -hmm. isn't it a little bananas? Yeah, this is a fizzy lifting drink company. I know, and I know. The, the poor bastards are having to design engines because they want to stay in F1. Yeah. Whereas you know, Mercedes, Ferrari, yeah, they're building cars, right? Like they're yeah. building engines. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I do, I do feel bad for them, and it also really does kind of signify or at least signal the logic between them partnering with Porsche potentially right. in the future. Right. Like that would really resolve this issue. Yeah. I mean, I think the impressive thing to me is like, you've still got, obviously you've got an, a very good engine from a power output stand. Like it's making good power. They're extremely competitive. It's just the reliability is not yeah. quite there yet. I mean, both the Alphatari seem to do okay, and and uh, that's true. Sergio yeah. Perez got second, so I mean, they're they're right in there in terms of competitiveness. It's just I think Max has had some some pretty bad luck, um, yeah. which I don't you know. But how about Sergio? Yeah, Sergio I mean, is bringing in some real valuable points for Red Bull right now. And I just I feel like it really kind of illustrates the growing with a new car. Yeah. Instead of coming into a car that's been built for someone else for yeah. six years. Right. And and so I'm really happy for Red Bull that they decided to stick with him. Yeah. I mean, frankly, and you, you and I have talked What's about this What's amazing is he was, after Racing Point, he almost didn't have a drive exactly, the next exactly. year. And he's frankly kind of the one redeeming I, he, person he, in Red Bull. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, yeah, he's likable. Yeah, yeah, he's actually he's actually likable. Easy but, to like, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he's easy to like, but it is really impressive that like this was a guy, and it also shows you how much money drives a lot of stuff. You know, like he is not he's not you know uh, Nicholas Latifi. Uh, he's not Lance Stroll. He's not, you know, he doesn't have a ton yeah. of money that he can bring to a team in terms of sponsorship and whatnot. He is the only Mexican driver, so there are certainly interests from Mexican companies getting involved with Red Bull from that standpoint. But it shows you, you know, and Lewis Hamilton has said this before, like, pure talent doesn't necessarily get you into F1. Yeah. Like, maybe, it, you know, you have to get lucky, you have to get the right people seeing you, 
have to get sponsor money behind you because yeah, Mercedes and Red Bull can just go out and get the best drivers at this point. But like if you're if you're a Haas, if you're an Alfa Romeo, like you you ideally want some drivers that are gonna help bring in some cash. You know? Yeah. Well, and the other thing about Sergio is he's a team player. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he follows team orders, kind of like almost like a Valtteri. Like, yeah. And, and I think I, that's the dynamic they wanted. Exactly. And that's what I think builds constructor champions right. that occur kind of rec- recurring, right. you know, right. over several years. Because that's really kind of where I, I'm going to be curious to see the dynamic with George and Lewis say because right you you know and and like you said with the uh, drive to survive I mean they kind of you know tend to amp things up a little bit right but you definitely got the sense from that and even I feel like Toto said it in some of his interviews like is he ready to make this transition to support the team because you really got the sense like this dude is hungry yeah and he, he does recognize he's good right and he's got a good car and he really could string a bunch you know a bunch of well, champions and think to be together. to be in his mind to be in his seat where you know you're very very talented driver and you're languishing in this williams year yes, after year and you're not getting any and you're younger. not getting any younger and now you're finally in a car that should be able to get on a podium like it's hard to restrain yourself. It would, and I, and I basically, think. kind of the message is, I don't know if this is the actual message, but I get the feeling that it's like, you know, this is Lewis's team still. Right. He's our reigning champion, you mm-hmm. know, and it's going to stay that way until he's ready to retire. Right. And so it's like, okay, I have to sit here twiddling my thumbs while this guy debates, and like, be, Brett Favre. Yeah. How do many I years come back? <laughs> do I yeah. come back? Am I retired? I'm coming right. back. Right. You know? It's like screw this shit. I'm just gonna drive the wheels yeah, off this yeah, car yeah. and get some champions. Well, race. and and you know, currently he's finished above Lewis in two or three races. Yeah, I know. You know so <laughs> he's he uh, he and Lewis finished third and fourth this race. So Charles Leclerc won um, another phenomenal drive from him. It should be noted he he got the grand slam, which is uh, start on pole. He yeah. got pole position. He led the race from start to finish. And he had fastest lap. So, I mean, he yeah. just absolutely dominated. I really feel like thus far in this season, it is his, his and to Ferrari's to lose. Yeah, it all comes... I mean, this the F1 season has become so long that for me, it's not... It's kind of like a, a hackneyed phrase, but it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Like, it really is going to come down to how these people, how the teams develop their cars. So, like, if and Ferrari just stays... And they're not going to, but if Ferrari were to just stay where they are and Mercedes improves, Red Bull yeah. improves, all of a sudden, yeah. well, Charles' 71 points may not. And that's what kind of what we saw last year. I mean, mm-hmm. it felt like there was a period where Max was all and those guys just strung one after another. I was, this, mm-hmm. is, Over. this is theirs this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Silverstone down. happened, and then <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden Lewis And then we the end the season with tied points yeah. going into the last yeah. race. So that's, why, that's like, just to your point. But right? I agree with you. Like Assuming that they improve yeah. their car at a similar parallel, pace, yeah. then, I mean, Charles is without a... Charles has been a phenomenal driver. He's just had weird mistakes 
at critical points yeah. of costumes yeah. and races. Yeah, like in Monza and yeah. stuff when he could crash. Yeah, so like he's, but he's always been right there. He's always yeah. been extremely fast. Yeah, yeah. So and and they really do have, um, I I think a really good team dynamic. Yeah, like Carlos, I think is like the teammate you want. I agree. He, yeah. he creates a good atmosphere. He and he and Lando got along incredibly well at McLaren. Yeah. You know, he just is... Doesn't seem to bristle. He just seems to kind of let it roll off his back. No, and I mean, he's yeah. competing. Like, he wants he wants to win. He wants to pass people. But at the end of the day, when you hear his radio messages, it's like, that was a great win for the team. You know, yeah. that was a great race for the team. And I think he really gets it. And I think probably part of it is having his dad as, you know, a world championship winning rally driver, like... Growing up yeah. with that and yeah. seeing the team dynamic within a motorsports team like that, I think yeah. Carlos gets it. And you know, from a long time. So then my question for you is, what the hell happened to him this race? Like, yeah. well, was something off on the car? Was the yeah. was there something goofy with the powertrain? I mean, he was, yeah. he was, was it just the circuit? And there, for yeah. whatever reason, he wasn't driving well with this? You know, I just, I the difference between yeah. them seemed Crazy. So I think I I have not heard this confirmed, but I think he had uh, he must have had a technical issue because if you watch this, he was so slow. I know just, the first like lap or two, and then he ends up losing control of the car, spinning into the gravel. Yeah, and then he get he's basically beached and he can't yeah. get the car out, so he DNF'd. So yeah, it's just a really I think it's a very forgettable weekend for Carlos, but. Yeah, um, I think I, I would part. have to agree with you. Just the the difference was too great. Yeah, and yeah, that so. was that was abnormal. I think it was out of character. So I think yeah. there was probably something mechanical with the car, and you know that Australia track was weird. It was catching people out. You know, yeah, quite uh, a bit. Sebastian, Sebastian, like you saw him kind of hop that at a weird curve place a too, bit, and all of a sudden, yeah, just spun it into the wall. spun, hit the nose, and the wall. like we were talking before. I mean, it was. You know, for all intents and purposes, kind of one of his first races back from COVID. Yeah, really with yeah. the car, so not yeah. maybe shocking. But how about <laughs> how about Lance Stroll? Yeah, and Latifi, man, what a mess that! Oh made. my god, <laughs> Latifi. Like, what the hell? I yeah, think La- I did actually say that the- to my wife. I was like, Alex says these guys are a menace. Yeah, track. Latifi is the new Mazepin. <laughs> yeah. he's he's a menace. What a mess! I'm. I'm sure their engineers are just soul crushed, especially like after working on the cars to get them ready to go, yeah. and then it's like you just torpedoed the freaking car, yeah. man, so, for no reason. Yeah. So, so Latifi is going to pass Stroll, and you can debate whose fault it is. Latifi went for a very narrow yeah. space. Uh, Stroll moved over, in, but it know, kind of slowed down. Yeah, it, so. it, Stroll moved over and. In a way that made you think he probably didn't check his mirror, mirror. yeah, and just went right into Latifi, and basically just tore off his front. front tire. And, and that's the surprising thing is like sometimes you see these F one starts and the mm-hmm. cars are rubbing, the tires are hitting, yeah. and you're like yeah, nothing really happened. I'm kind of yeah. surprised they didn't shred them. I know. And here it's like just a little pass, and all of a sudden. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> wheels are everywhere. Well, the TV is just, I don't know what happened. <laughs> he didn't check. He's not checking his mirrors. <laughs> yeah. 
His his race engineer is <laughs> like, "Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a mess. Like, yeah, it, those those two. I do enjoy the two like real gentleman drivers on the grid hitting each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like, poetic, poetic justice. justice. Um, yeah. who? So, uh, how about Williams? I was gonna ask you. Oh, this what is freaking drive from Albon. This this is my ignorance, but I I I. I didn't really spend a lot of time. I figured you'd have the answer to this. Why the hell does he have to even pit? Like, um, was is there a penalty? There must be a penalty. I I, I thought I read sure. somewhere that if you don't pit, they'll DNF you. And I was mm. like, well, I think I why think there is that. Yeah, I think there's a rule that you have to pit at least once during. And the I, race. and I suppose maybe they do that to make the race more interesting or maybe more competitive but it's like if you guys have the balls to say we're going to run these cards well past what we should and i don't yeah and i don't know what the race (laughs) regulations are specifically i'd have to look them up so i don't know if it's a rule that you have to pit at least once or that you have to use at least two sets of tires I think you have to use at least two sets of tires. Maybe that's for safety. So if they look at it and say you can yeah. only go forty-eight laps and you're going to try to get sixty out of them, right? Like, you need to pit. Yeah. So so yeah, Alex Albon ended up doing what was it fifty-two or fifty-three laps on the hard compound <laughs> tires. <laughs> that was a freaking awesome, heroic dude. drive. And and he was still like keeping pace. Yeah. On the last yeah. like, three laps, he well, wasn't losing ground. Even it's going nuts. back to when he was. Uh, at at um at Red Bull, like he was he was always fast. He just wouldn't yeah. make mistakes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you he know, did. like you think back to to you know that those that year, and he was nearly as fast as Max at times. But he yeah, but crash. then all of a sudden, yeah, in the middle of the race, it's like somebody spun out. Yeah, and it's out and it's out of the wall. Yeah. And so you know, he I think no one doubts that he's fast, and he was fast in the he he did uh, the the. The DTM. Uh, That's true. He did in between. Last, and he yeah. was fast in DTM as well. I think that there's that was kind of what I was alluding to when you you're taking these young guys, you're throwing them into a Red Bull seat. Yeah. The the best, you know, one of the best cars out there in F1. Mm-hmm. And That's why they go so good there. And you've got this guy Max, mm-hmm. who, yeah, he's you know for whatever he's kind of a prick. Mm-hmm. He, he races hard. He's kind mm-hmm. of an asshole, yeah. but but that's just like his persona. That's how he races. <clears throat> and then you see the history of these guys just cycling through these guys. Mm-hmm. So it just puts this immense effing pressure, pressure. on yeah. these young guys to come in. And yeah. that's where I think Checo has kind of carved out this nice niche where it's like, I've been doing this a while. Yeah. I don't really have anything to prove. Right. I've done well. And the, the Williams kind of gives Alex a chance to... Be like, there's really no pressure. There's no pressure. Yeah, we're we're kind of terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're used any, to not getting points. Anything yeah. you can do to help is us. helpful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree. Like, I think that's why Checo is so good for Red Bull. Is he? He's you know all these guys are young, obviously, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. he's Relative older in the sport than Max. He's not going to get into a <clears throat> pissing contest and try and prove. You know, I mean, it's it's the difference between like. Two 20 year old frat bros yeah. trying to prove who's yeah, the bigger exactly. man. Yeah. And like 
a mature adult man. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and Checo's there. And I think he's got this mindset of, hey, I'm just happy to be here. Right. And I would love to help the team and however I can. Right. And if that is battling Lewis yeah. on the bat last, you know, yeah. lap yeah. to hold him, him back, mm-hmm. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. And I think, he sees that as a success. Right. Whereas you've got this kind of, you know, Lewis George dynamic where it's yeah. like George is, you know, the new guy I like Checo, but mm-hmm. he's there to, you know, prove himself. I think, yeah, the difference with those team dynamics is George see, said, is looking at like in a season or two, this is my team. Yeah. Checo knows that that will never not, be his yeah, team. Yeah, it's not going to be his team. Like, Good he point. will be long retired before Max even thinks, thinks about, about retirement. retirement. Yeah, that's um, a point. So, anyways. How about those McLarens? The McLarens were, yeah, so um, why they were so slow, <laughs> why they were porpoising, um, yeah, made some improvements. Kind of the same thing with Mercedes. Yeah. They're still there. Yeah. I mean, they're, it seems like a second behind right. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still there, and and they are a second behind like the leaders of the pack, right? So I, you know, for all I, intents and purposes, I I expect them to kind of close that up. Yeah, I I think they have a much throughout the season they have a much bigger like potential delta than like a Red Bull or Ferrari. Like Ferrari and Red Bull can probably get you know they can get a tenth of a second here or there with changes. You know, throughout the season, Mercedes, I think, have a, a lot bigger potential improvement. Of it, you yeah. know, I'll tell you what, though, watching those cameras when they're on the track and mm-hmm. they just start just, going, yeah, the boom, 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 boom. it's like yeah. that must beat you up so so yeah. much. I told I you, I figure some of these boys are going to have a little wedging, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> their vertebral yeah. bodies. Like, They've got to figure that out. Man. <laughs> it right? Sucks. There's, there's, yeah, it looks brutal. It, it's, yeah, I, <laughs> and I don't think anyone's really figured out. Even Ferrari is porpoising. So. You know, so this is just like a little aside. I was reading. I don't know. Um, I, I can't speak too much about this, but I do remember. Uh, reading an article where they had kind of talked about ground effect mm-hmm. and how this version of cars where they basically sealed uh, the edges of the car. Oh, you're talking had, back on like the Lotus yes. from like the 70s, the, the John Player special car. And, and and I think that what they figured out was that this ground effect could be engaged, mm-hmm. but if you let airflow come in from the sides, it disengaged it. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if, you know, you put those kind of, side skirts on these cars and yeah. let them rip around if they would lock down. Yeah. Because there is some discussion about it. You know, the porpoising is really kind of the, the ground effect engaging and disengaging. Right. So how do you, you know, how do you make it consistent? Yeah. yeah. So I just thought that was really interesting because they said, God, those cars were just like on rails. They were. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a, so and that's probably why I got banned. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So it was only allowed for like one season. <laughs> Lotus had it on their, Type seventy three. I'm trying. I can't remember the name of the car, but basically, the uh, there's a great Top Gear segment. This was this was like Richard Hammond, Jim, Jeremy Clarkson Top Gear, and um, Richard Hammond got to drive it around. I think Silverstone. <laughs> um, and how much fun would that be? And like, uh, and it's glued yeah. to the ground. And and basically, what they had they had it, it was retractable. Though. So like you. The, the you had to like you could manually lower them, deploy it, okay, and deploy it for depending on the racetrack sure, and what, sure, what okay. you were trying to achieve. But yeah, they outlawed them after one year because they were such a huge <laughs> advantage. <laughs> I love. But what was interesting <laughs> was um, there was I don't know if it ever actually raced, but I think 
Gordon Murray designed yeah. a Brabham yeah. that had this, it had the same ground effects, but it also had a fan That's that right. would suck air out from <laughs> under the car. So it would create a vacuum. And so, I mean, that I was reading, like the most they had a great article about that in uh, the road rat. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, what a cool, in a way, like what a cool time in, in F1 because it was, it was wide open. It wild was just west. the human mind. Like yeah. what can you concoct? Right. And it's like, the hell are these guys showing up with triangles? Yeah, and, and they would hands, <laughs> and then all of a yeah. sudden you watch it around the track, well, and it's like, the, hey, that's not fair. Yeah, you had the six tire Tyrrell. You had, <laughs> yeah, it was it was very much a time where it was like whatever you can, you imagine, can come up with something. If it works too well, we're gonna have <laughs> yeah, that's here. too good of an idea. But you'll get you one world championship. Yeah. Out of it. <laughs> <laughs> How much fun, you know? Now it's like they come out and. Well, it's, it's like, like Mercedes had it last oh, year. Oh, God, the, look at the size of their side pods. You know, you yeah. know it's like you can actually barely tell the difference unless right. you're staring at the car, and that's like revolutionary. Well, Mercedes, what was it, two years ago, where they had the dual, the dual, dual axis steering? steering? So, like, to warm those babies still up. That still happened. Yeah, I mean, every once in a yeah. while, there's, like, something that no one has thought of. Yeah, but it, we're at this it. point now where, the you know, they've probably dialed it down to the extent that you yeah. are going to kind of get the same product. Right. And... Even even if you try to do something remarkable, you know, like the dual axis steering thing, yeah, you know, maybe that ends up adding ten kilograms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where where the cars, you know, there's that's a little trade off margin, and it's yeah. like, yeah, it's not worth. It. Yeah, there's little trade offs. So it's it is it, but it's heartening to see some improvement from the teams that we, you know, we. We want to see as good of a mid-pack race as we can. Like, yeah. we want to see McLaren. We want to see Alpine. You know, we, we want to see those teams in the mix. Um, yeah. Giving a little bit of heat to Mercedes. Yeah. You know. um, the, the only other thing I wanted to kind of mention is <clears throat> it was interesting to reflect on this, just how long we've kind of been in this pandemic, mm-hmm. because that was 2020. Yeah. When the Australian Grand Prix was getting getting ready yeah. to do it and, and it like, got canceled right yeah we we're like ah, is this maybe a big deal maybe it's not yeah. a big deal yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. that yeah we're gonna have the race we're gonna have the race yeah and i was like nope nope and then it, we were just off the rails we've been like, through God, two seasons of drive to survive yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like two and a half feels like two and a half years later we're finally back you know yeah. where we're we're looking at like you were just saying we're back in Australia. We're gonna be back in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like ah, oh, what a relief! We're I know finally getting back to some of these back tracks. to some of these really cool tracks. Yeah. I know. Yeah, there was, you know, and and I just mentioned to to you because I didn't even realize it. I thought Miami was gonna be oh, on yeah, the schedule next year, and apparently it's May like eighth or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, I was so I was relating. It's, we're we're at Emilia Romana next week, and then. Two weeks after that is Miami. So when are they going to fly the the yachts? The yachts in? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> is that a military helicopter that unloads? Yeah, I I don't know. They're, they're it's just so it's just such a classic American thing. Like, yeah. you know, we want to be like those French people over yeah. there with their yachts yeah. in yeah. the bay. So uh, you know, we'll what kick is? a few alligators out. Yeah, <laughs> you know this. Honestly, what it is, it's just fancy NASCAR. Yeah. Instead of can. RVs in the infield, they've got yachts yeah, yeah, in the infield. That's like, yachts, yeah. That is, I love it. Uh, but it'll be fun to watch. I'm yeah. Sure. Super excited for it. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, yeah. So we're back next week with the Emilia Romano Grand Prix in Italy. Um, 
and uh, should be a good race. Obviously, kind of home territory for Ferrari, who, based on their current former, you know, would be favored to do quite well and and make the Tifosi happy. So we'll have yeah. to see. But um, yeah, maybe we'll gear up and do like you know three shots of espresso. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You're supposed to. Yeah. Do that <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's, if, it's, if it's like an eight a.m. race, I'm gonna probably need <laughs> yeah. that from your espresso yeah. maker. <laughs> Um, but we did want to touch on some automotive news, kind of a follow-up in a way to um, a story we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago when I mentioned the GR Corolla and how excited I was and, you know, wanting really that to be potentially my next daily driver. And since then, I've just gotten more and more frustrated with everything yeah. I've read. So it's kind of the car new, is going to be new awesome. world that we inherit. Yeah, the car. The, this is nothing about the car. Yeah, itself. No. The car itself is going to be amazing. I'm sure. The problem is, um, Toyota do not. I don't think are heading in the right direction with it in terms of what their goal is. So in my mind, this is the affordable enthusiast car that someone can say like. I this is I'm gonna aspire for this to be my daily driver as like a guy in his early twenties yeah. or a gal in her early twenties. You're not making crazy money or just out of school, but like this is something cool and what fun cool you can get. Yeah. yeah, and unfortunately, Toyota has taken the tack of the one of their executives basically said we don't want to make too many of these so that we can retain quote exclusivity, and supposedly they're only gonna make six thousand for the first model year. Which, as soon as I hear that, I know, okay, well, this went from being, they haven't announced the price yet, but what was probably going to be a thirty-five dollars to $40,000 car, it is now going to be a $60,000 car with the dealer markups, easily. Because now it's exclusive. It's limited edition, you know, et cetera. And, and it's almost because of that becomes a little bit more of a garage clean, whereas well, rather necessarily than a daily driver, you can... Yeah. It's going to go to a bunch of people who just collect stuff, and 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 it's you know just to have it. Yeah, it's going to be people that have you know multiple six figure cars, and they're going to get this as like their like little fun collectible thing, and and it's really unfortunate. Yeah, it defeated the purpose of what they kind of created. What it should be. Yeah, it should an accessible sports car. And the problem is, you do stuff like this, and then. People, you know, the people that you want to buy it, that that can proselytize about how great the GR brand is and how exciting their cars are, uh, don't ever get to have access to the cars because a bunch of rich collector guys bought up, you know, all the ones they had. They told their dealers to stop taking uh, reservations on them. They have enough reservations on the books that they're going to sell all of them. So, and the confusing thing... <clears throat> from my perspective with this it it's, it seems like it should have been done almost in the in the inverse like they basically took an accountant's car mm-hmm. tripped it out right print on the diamond doesn't like yeah, you didn't really invest a bunch of R&D. R&D costs yeah whereas the supra totally different story i mean mm-hmm. they partnered with bmw to get this thing out yeah sunk a lot of development costs into it mm-hmm. it's much more of a it's got an interesting pedigree, mm-hmm. you know, historically significant, right. thinking back to like the 2000s, yeah. late 90s. Yeah, the Mark IV. And it didn't do very well. Yeah. It's like, well, that would have been the car to right. kind of restrict, yeah. drive up the hype train. Mm-hmm. And then when the GR comes out, yeah. 
you know, print them a dime a dozen. Because then, because then it's like this is the fabled car. Right. I can't access that. It's too expensive. But I, it's a super. I can get its, its little of, brother. Yeah, I can get its little brother and enjoy that. Yeah. And so right. then it's like, well, hell, we didn't have to put any real R and D in this. No, they basically <laughs> took a lot of like the limited slip differentials are basically the same ones that they have on the GR Yaris in Europe. Basically, they took a lot of what they did with the GR Yaris and just put it on the Corolla. Corolla. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. Like, this is not... They didn't sink a bunch of R&D costs into this. The R&D costs were already spent on the GR Yards. Yeah. And so... <laughs> like, just they, they've done it in reverse. You're yeah. supposed to make your Halo car right. exclusive to create you right. know, brand excitement, yeah. kind of a niche product. And then you start pumping. It's like yeah. you build the Audi R8, and mm-hmm. then you throw a bunch of S-Line yeah. crap on, on, <laughs> on everybody on else. The A4 and A3. <laughs> charge four grand yeah. for it, and you bring all your R&D yeah. costs back. But they well, they flipped it on yeah. its head. The pro- well, the problem is, well, so with the Supra, a huge problem that the Supra had was exactly what Toyota's dealers are doing with the GR Corolla. The Supra came in. And it was supposed to be, I think, around like sixty grand or so, and that they were right. they were listed <laughs> they were being listed for eighty to ninety thousand launch edition, or some even had it at a hundred. So, and then they sat on dealers. It was like the dealers would rather have them sit for yeah. five six months in the showroom than actually sell the car by bringing the price down. And so they sold poorly. Um, a lot of people that were reviewing these cars basically said. It's it's a fine car for what it is, but at at fifty sixty yeah, grand, exactly. it's, at fifty sixty grand, it has a lot of competition. Now, if you're saying it's going to be eighty grand, well, now I mean you can the cars once, you're once you get into used nine eleven money, yeah, just get a used nine eleven. It's going to outperform a super in every way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that that was the problem the super had, and and they're falling into the exact same trap. Except they're making this fake exclusivity bullshit, and so it, yeah. and it really pisses me off because it's the same crap that <clears throat> Porsche does, but Porsche can't get away with it because they actually are they're in a completely different price bracket, and they they do need to maintain exclusivity. Yeah, honestly. if you're Toyota <clears throat> making a Corolla variant, that does not need to be an exclusive. Product. <laughs> like I'm sorry, like I agree with that's you. That's absolutely ridiculous. Agree. Like. This isn't some like this isn't a Lexus LFA. Yeah, and it's it's such a silly thing because it's it's like that car is not I don't know it's not going to get people in there to buy Toyota minivans. No, it's not going to be like oh my god I'm so excited to go buy this right Toyota Tundra now. Right. No, so it's a it's very just, specific. Yeah, it's a it's niche very, car and, and your price. Well, the, the thing is, you're it's a it's a niche car and you have now. Priced it out of the niche that you're shooting for. Like the niche yeah. this fills is the person that has thirty to forty grand to spend on a fun daily driver. Maybe they're coming out of a GR86 or a BRZ or an old STI or an old WRX, and they say, "Okay, well, Subaru's not making a new STI. We talked about that before. So this is my new STI. I can perfect. I can get this." Like. And there's plenty of people out there like that. The enthusiast that is a middle-class person that has a good job, but they can't afford to spend a ton of money on a sports car. It's annoying because it seems like kind of what they're doing is taking a page from Aston Martin, mm-hmm. McLaren, mm-hmm. all of these companies, and yeah. now they're applying it to a Corolla. 
Right. And <clears throat> the people who, yeah, like the billionaires, right, they can, they can you know, get the offshoot Bugatti, mm-hmm. you know, fair right. enough, whatever. But it's like here now you're milking, you know, people who were like, oh, I would entertain doing that. It'd be mm-hmm. a lot of fun. I'm going to go for it. Now it's like, forget it. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not going to It's really it. sad. So it's like, like what... What did it really when, accomplish well, for you guys? And I was I was looking at the I was looking on Reddit when someone posted this story about the executive, you know, saying this. Yeah, what was some and, of the and comments? The, and the response, I mean, the response was almost unanimously like either a variant of, "Well, I guess I can't afford it anymore." Um, can't wait to see the dealer markups on this one. No uh, guess I'm not getting one. I mean, it was yeah it. And it was really sad because this was on like the cars, our cars subreddit. So it's car enthusiasts largely. So there's a bunch of people that were like, this could be my achievable dream car, daily driver, however they're going to use it. Yeah. And yeah. now and now they basically just said, okay, well, I guess this is another thing that isn't for me. It's for rich people. Yeah. It's basically, you're going you're gonna to have to take your entire salary, multiply it by two to mm-hmm. afford this car. Or you're going to be just stuck with the left rest of the masses. Right. Which yeah. is you're going to just have to buy a Corolla or right. something. You know, it's right. like you can't. And it's just like, uh, you know, the shitty part of the world we live in now that what it seems like the takeaway from a lot of this pandemic has been is, uh, well, screw it. Just make it exclusive. They'll still pay for it. They'll Somebody buy will buy it. it. Yeah. And we'll make our profit margin. And now our profit margin is baked in. Yeah, because we know what we're gonna make. We know what we're gonna sell them for. Yeah, screw the enthusiasts. Yeah, I mean that, that just kind of sucks. That's honestly, to me, as a it, it's an extension of the bring a trailer effect. We've seen that there are so many people that apparently have so much ungodly amounts of money that they're just paying crazy money for everything, and so anything that's remotely cool that comes out, like the GR Corolla, and the Corolla Toyota knows, hey, if particularly if they're going to limit yeah, it in yeah, any yeah. meaningful way, they, they know that, you know, we only need to find 6,000 people that are dumb enough to pay 60 grand for a Corolla. Yeah. And, and, and they'll be able to do that. And, and here's, I think, one of the things that the problem is, what these people are, at least from my perspective, what they might take away from it is <clears throat> there's nothing above this in this car company that I want. Right. So screw Toyota. I'm going to just look at getting like a 340i yeah. Sport mm-hmm. or get a used one. But yeah. I know that there is, you know, kind of a hierarchy in BMW and mm-hmm. they're going to sell it for what they're going to sell it for. Yeah. So I can go in and I can put a reservation on a whatever, like a, you know, like a 240 or something down the road. Right. And, and get a sports car mm-hmm. for like not too far off of the yeah. same money. Yeah. And five years from now, that value is going to presumably have gone down, mm-hmm. but it might not drop as, you know, precipitously as yeah. the GR in a way, because it's like, okay, well, 10,000 of my dollars had to go into a dealer markup, yeah. which no one really wants to compensate me for yeah. seven years down the road right. when it's like not the hot thing anymore. That's the, that's the, and that's what happened with the GR Yaris. I think they've held their value okay. They were selling for what for over sticker in Europe when they first came out, and then when the hype died down, people were like, "Oh, how do I unload this? How do I okay? <clears throat> how do I get rid of this?" And I'd like to sell for what I paid. And no, you might be able to get sticker for it, but not your ADM back. And yeah. 
And, you know, and you're right, like, the, they don't understand the goal of, I don't think they understand the goal of this car. Like, the goal should be get the 24, 25-year-old person that wants something fun. This is their entry into your brand. They have this super fun performance car. Now, when they turn 30 and they get married and they have a kid, they go back to the Toyota dealer. They buy the Toyota minivan. This thing's been reliable. I like this. Yeah. The service was good. They, they decide they want a, a daily driver that has more room. They go back to Toyota and get the Highlander or the RAV4. Like, this is your entry yeah. into a brand. And, and then, you know, once they're, you know, several years in their career, they, you know, got some money. They got they some, go to the Toyota dealer. They get a Lexus. That's yeah. A, you they know, get a Lexus or they're like, I'm going to get a Supra. Yeah. Because we've got, you know, two daily driver Toyotas and my, you know, JR is right. old enough. I'm going to spend the money and get a this, Supra. This is the card that helps you build brand loyalty. That, that's what And they're completely, I completely screwing agree. <laughs> So I don't understand it. It just feels like a... You know, a flame out or something. Yeah, it's really made me, I, I haven't done it yet, but it's made me want to call the dealer and say, like, hey, are you planning on charging, uh, like, a, a, a dealer markup or a market adjustment on this? And if they say yes, I'm just going to cancel my pre-order. Because it's just, I'm, yeah. at the end of the day, it's going to be when, an awesome When is car. this thing supposed to actually hit, hit dealerships? Fall of this year. Fall of this year. Well, you know, I would just say, wait it out. Because maybe there's something, some other hot object mm-hmm. that grabs a bunch of people's attention. Maybe we're in a recession at that point. Yeah. Like, oh, please just buy the car. Yeah. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Right. So hold on to it, and then if and and you know, force them to mm-hmm. give you a call, and then yeah, kind of say, I mean, here's the problem, guys. I'm not. I'm not going to pay ADM on this. Yeah. And um, I think, in a way, it it hurts your brand. Yeah. And they're going to be like. We don't care. Yeah, yeah and they'll yeah. call the next guy. But at least, like, even I'll get my say <laughs> a little bit. Well, I mean, it, I think it's going to play out a lot like the Honda Civic Type R played out for Honda, where yeah. dealers are going to get them. They're going to charge, you know, twenty, thirty over, and they're going to have Type Rs sitting on the showroom floor for months and months and months unsold because the the people that want these cars. By and large, are not going to be able to afford to pay sixty, seventy thousand dollars for them. Like they're they're young people that are it doesn't, early in their yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's early exactly in like you said, unless there's some kind of special, just indelible mark left on you from mm-hmm. the, the Civic, and now you're forty and you you've got some cash to throw around mm-hmm. or whatever. Unless something else, yeah. There there are other cars that. Can probably for the same amount of money offer maybe even like a more driving experience, or, more mm-hmm. yeah, more engaging for whatever reason. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, or even just, if I mean the thing like, and and this isn't necessarily true for the Corolla GR, but for the Type R, I mean that is a very boy racer looking oh, car. Oh, hundred percent. So like that's who it's aimed at. It's, that's that's who it's aimed at. By the time I'm, but the, by the time we can afford one, you don't want that. I don't want that. You know, I was I was just talking with one of the guys I work with, and he has a WRX, and I said, he said, yeah, I thought about getting the STI, and he's he's a physicist, he's at at work, and he's a bit older than me, and and he said, I just I couldn't do the big wing. I he's did. like, I just. He's like the big hood scoop is enough. Yeah. He's like it's, I didn't want the time, attention. <laughs> it's a time in your life. Yeah, and I was and like, then, I, I told you, him I said I had the STI. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love the big wing. Yeah, like yeah. I was at a very, very specific time in my life. life. You know, yeah. now people pull up next to you and they're just very confused. Yeah. Did yeah. there some? Yeah, gray hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I well, what <laughs> I told him was I said I just 
I bought a car with an even bigger wing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. But oh, anyway, I so I, I thought it was it was an interesting follow-up because yeah. it, it is really even for bitter pill. Could I could we you know, could theoretically could I still afford to buy it? In theory, yes, but it, it's against the what that car should be. And and I I won't buy it. If yeah. if I have to pay over sticker, it's just it's a Corolla at the end of the day. I know, like, like, come on, man. It's a tricked-out accountant's oh. car. Anyways, <laughs> um, I think that's all we have time for this week. We, uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, with the Emilia Romana, as I mentioned. Uh, and then, you know, if we have time, maybe a little bit more car, car news. But be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Bluff Elf Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us, rate us on iTunes, uh, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll see you all next week.